the first step for me after setting the table is to really understand that customer. What makes them tick? What's going to motivate them to buy from us and work with us? What are their concerns? What are their expectations? That's why they call it discovery, right? That's all part of that. And by taking that customer-centric focus, I haven't even started to really, as I mentioned, take notes. At that point, it's really all about the customer and their needs. That's the most important thing at that moment. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. This week, we welcome back the famous traveling duo, world-renowned in their own worlds, comedians at heart, the NCG sales guys. Andrew Amrine and Jim Falk, you guys make it too easy. Take the mic to highlight some observations of the current selling environment, including habits they are noticing and areas of the sales process that we need to tighten up. For example, when do you send out that estimate? Spoiler alert, you might be sending them too fast, too soon. The sales guys are here to help sales professionals stay focused on improving their skills and mastering the process, even when the fishing is still good. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Molly, thanks so much for that introduction. Great to be back with you, everybody. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jim. And we are The The Sales Guys. Great to be back. Never gets old. In studio, Jim Falk. Great to be here with you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That makes one person. I appreciate it. It's been (laughs) quite a while since the last uh, uh, Sales Guys podcast. And so today we've got some observations, coaching this year, doing one-on-one coaching. We had a boot camp. We recently had a sales peer group, a retreat in person uh, here at Summit uh, Nolan Consulting Group World Headquarters. I think went really well uh, getting the band together. Uh, So the concerns, I think, maybe or pattern we wanted to address uh, we're not seeing reps execute enough on their responsibilities in the process. Ooh, that's a tough one. What do we mean by that? Um, so authentic qualifying and qualifying before sending out estimates. So as Sandler would say, we're seeing too many people spill their candy in the lobby. Uh, not effectively being the first line of defense for the crews. So putting people in front of um, crews that maybe they shouldn't be. Uh, We got too many order takers, Jim. I'm hearing too much uh, of order taking. Um, So we got some observations on that. And all three of those honestly lead to just time and calendar management issues. We're doing too much trying to please too many people. Uh, and we can't get what's most important done. Mm-hmm. Um, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, the word order takers. That, and that, that concept had, has come up quite a bit recently, came up last week in our sales uh, peer group retreat. You know, there's no doubt that, you know, these last few years, really since COVID hit, um, there's been so much emphasis 
um, on with homeowners reinvesting in their home, right? They're spending a lot of time in their home, so they want it to look nice. Um, they weren't spending their money elsewhere, concerts, restaurants, sporting events for a period of time, so they were sitting on more cash. Um, a lot of a uh, lot of investment from in the way of refinancing, taking equity out of the home. So all these all these forces contributed to a really really hot residential repaint market. Um, and we, we and can't- construct, And construction in and, general, remodelers, roofers, landscapers. So all the, all the companies, Nolan Consulting Group that we see, everybody experienced a boom. For sure. Yeah, I mean, there's been an influx of cash into the economy in a variety of ways. And it, you know, it's interesting. Um, I mean, you, nobody can argue that the fishing has been really spectacular these last couple of years. And that when things are good, that's when we tend to fall into bad habits. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, you start to, when things are going so well and the fishing is so good and we're able to continue to raise our prices and still close, still win jobs at an extremely high rate. Um, the phone continues to ring, the lead flow continues to be strong. When you're when you're selling during that time, you fall on the bad habits, right? You trick yourself into thinking, well, it's it's always going to be this easy. Um, so why not make it easier on myself? What's that look like? Now to heck with the process. I'm going to be nice. I'll understand the scope of the work and I'll develop an estimate and win the job. Oh, by the way, I got you know six estimates or way too many estimates scheduled today. So I'm going to run in, focus on scope make nice and sell the job anyway. A hundred percent. Which is not the process. 100%. Exactly. And, and listen, myself included, um, we can, we can lure ourselves into this feeling of false security. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pessimist, pessimist by trade. I'm not Mr. Gloom and doom, but I, I do worry to a degree of what the future brings. You know, whether it's this winter or or next year or at some point, the fishing is not going to be as good. Um, the leads are going to diminish. Um, there's going to be there's going to be more forces, um, more competition for a smaller pot of work. And that's where the rubber really hits the road. And and the ones that are really focused on process, you know, process, setting the table, you know, the discovery, the, the art of finding pain, the art of building value, really getting in close with clients, building trust on a whole different level. The sales professionals that continue to focus on that, even when the fishing's good, are going to be the ones that are uber prepared when the next downturn comes. Anybody can sell in a good market, right? It takes sales professionals to sell in a tough market. Yeah. Yeah. So now now's the time to be prepared, you know, res resist the urge to say, oh, it's always going to be this easy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the easy way out to your point, Andrew. I'm going to make nice, focus on scope, focus on estimate and get the, get the win, get the W. It's not always going to be that way. So our, our goal today here is going to be to review the process. I think there are multiple ways to authentically execute the process. We'll talk about two. There are definitely ways not to do it. <laughs> Uh, like we like we discussed, um, focusing on scope, sending an estimate, and hoping for the best is is not 
what we want to do, what, what we want to recommend. Um, so from a, a generic standpoint, from an overall sales, whether you do residential, commercial, roofing, uh, pharmaceutical sales, whether you're doing you know, commercial remodeling, whatever it is, any kind of sales, right? There's a, there's a handful of generic steps. Assess customer need. Confirm they can pay for it. Make sure you're talking to decision makers. And four, match your product to, the, to what the customer wants. So I would say all three of those are required in order to create the estimate. And I'm hearing too many stories, like we, like we talked, about people who aren't even, really aren't finding pain. They're focusing on problems, which is more scope-oriented. What's the problem? Let me, get, let me get estimates out. Let me get them an estimate as fast as I can. And then we'll follow up. Mm. So let's do, a, let's do a focus a call on a process review and talk about troubleshooting in the middle. So Jim, let me, your method, our, how we, we go about doing it is slightly different. Uh, so, that, so some good variability there. So Jim, your process in both commercial and residential estimating, mm -hmm. Setting, first, setting the table. Setting the table is the five, just a, a quick overview. Setting the table is the five, five core things. Thank you for inviting me in, mm -hmm. confirming that we have enough time. Uh, their agenda and our agenda, we're we have questions we want to ask. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay with no. Number four, I'm okay with no. And number five, we need to set a next step agreement. Mm -hmm. be be let's end properly before we begin. We At the end of this, we need to set an next step agreement. Then you find pain. Mm -hmm. Going beyond problems, we're digging into the emotional connection to the job. There's lots of podcasts we've done on finding pain. And so here's where you customize your process. So what do you do after that? You found the customer's pain. You've got an emotional connection. Boy, I can't imagine how you were feeling at that point. You've dug out, and then so then what do you do? Uh, you're on a roll, Andrew. I thought you were just going to keep going. <laughs> um, and now this, this is this is such to me. This is such an intriguing topic um, because it comes up all the time. And 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 certainly last week in our peer group retreat um, uh, was 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 uh, was a topic of discussion um, for a period of time. So let's. I'd like to take a step back. Let's look at it more from the 30,000 foot view for a second. So, you know, in a traditional sales process, we'll say the amateur salesperson, if you will. For sure. Um, you know, they follow what we call uh, QPC, which is qualify, present, close. That's their, that's their form. That's their methodology. That's their flow, flow chart, if you will. What's that look like in traditional sales, which right now, if you're if you're really honest with yourself, look at yourself in the mirror, and if, and if you're really truly an order taker, that's probably what you're doing right now. So qualify. Um, are you, they breathing? Are they breathe? willing to listen to me? Right? Um, are they willing to let me in their house or their business or or whatever whatever it may be? Um, the presentation, right? The presentation often comes, especially when we're taking orders, 
in the forms of features and benefits, right? You know, we we do A, B, C, we're X, Y, and Z. We're the greatest thing since sliced my, bread. My, my blood's already boiling. <laughs> my, I'm, I'm already. How can you give a presentation? You don't know what the customer needs. Like my some this I it gets my gets my blood hot. My temperature's going up. <laughs> exactly. Like by, like you can't. The first appointment cannot be a presentation. So anyway, customers process. Absolutely. So, um, and then once we've presented. Oh, and by the way, the end of the presentation is typically in the form of a written proposal, right? That's Give the shiny egg that, that that prospect wants. That's their first step in the process to get your proposal, right? That's spill your that's candy in the lobby. Bingo. And then we try to close them. Once we've, once we've offered a solution to a problem that we're not even aware of, which is, you know, by rule impossible, um, now we're trying to close them after we give them this elaborate presentation of features and benefits and, and, and the shiny proposal. Um, and then we follow up, uh, we leave calls, we leave texts, we email, right? That's, that's, that's the, um, that's the sales process in, in, the, so in here's, the eyes of a sales amateur. Here's what I heard you just say. It makes my blood boil. <laughs> I show up, I tell the customer why we're so good. I tell the, well, first I tell the customer what they need. I tell the customer why we're so good. I tell the customer what the price is going to be. And then I beg, beg, mm -hmm. beg, 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 beg. Yeah. And, and all I'll... without ever finding out what is it exactly they want. Yeah. And do I even have that? Yeah. And, and how many times does that lead to the customer hiding from us? Oh. Right. We know the customer system, which is truly a defense mechanism of lie, steal, lie, and the last step in that system is hide. So we're doing ourselves a huge disservice. We might be getting away with that now when times are, are rich and, and uh, the winds are coming easily, but it's not always gonna be this way. You cannot, you cannot survive and thrive in a downturn by selling that way. One, one of the first things you taught me, Jim, best way to make a customer hide, Send them a proposal for double their budget without ever finding out what you write. And that's just one of the ways. There's right. lots of ways to get people to hide from you. All right. So now but, walk us through your process. What's yeah. Your, so what's the right way? What I focus on, I think about it this way. My first job is really to close that customer. I'll explain that in a minute. Then qualify and, and then to present. The, pre, the presentation is the proposal, but I only present if it makes sense. And I can only I, I can only understand if that makes sense by having engrossing in conversations with with prospects. Okay, so the the close. So upfront, you mentioned it. My first step when I meet with a prospect um, is 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 really just having that adult conversation, taking the first five minutes, a little bit of bond and rapport. Um, but a whole lot of setting the table that that up that idea that notion of the upfront contract right let me tell you what to expect um let's make sure we're on the same page um and it's the beginning of us leading and pacing not only that conversation but the entire meeting right um we're letting we're letting that prospect know what to expect during that meeting and potential future meetings it's the i like to call it the the rules of engagement right we're we're setting the groundwork for what working together could look like. If if customers aren't honoring your next step agreements, 
first look to price you sent them a price they weren't expecting because you didn't ask them about budget mm. second reason you didn't set the table you didn't lay out for them what to expect here and what the process is yeah yeah for sure um what's next so once i've done that now this this is my process this is this is how i've evolved over time um I'm not saying it, it's going to work for everybody. It's going to be the right fit for everybody, but it's 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 been extremely helpful for me. So once I've set that table, which again is is a brief, you know, three, four, five minute conversation at the most. Um, now, um, as I in a very conversational way, as I walk around the project with the customer, uh, I have two goals at that moment. Uh, I am not doing a scope. I am not taking measurements. In general, I'm not taking scope notes, okay, details about the project. Fortunately, one of the things I've been blessed with is a, a pretty darn good memory. So even a full project, I can, once I go back around, I can remember a lot of details. And at that point, I write them down. But during so that- Selective, but it is good. Yeah. yeah. Good. But during that first walkthrough of the scope of the work, I don't care what it is interior, exterior, uh, some type of property manager, um, some type of uh, commercial work. My focus is on that prospect and the conversations that are, are being had. So that's when, you know, from the customer standpoint, it's really the development of the, the scope of the work. The customer's helping me under, understand the scope of the work. From my standpoint, I'm custom tailoring and I'm directing the conversations to finding pain, right? Um, I'm beginning to ask them questions. Um, I'm beginning to use tools like inverting and then the pain funnel and really having value-driven conversations to find out what their expectations are, what their concerns may, may be and may look like um, to really get to know them and get them to open up. So here's where you and I diverge a little bit in, in the way I execute the process. So at this point, you take a break, set a next, you set a next step agreement to meet up again, but here's where you pause and now you walk around and collect more scope oriented information, pictures and things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the first takeaway, certainly from the retreat we just had was we see reps trying to do too many things at one time. You're trying to interview the customer and get the scope and take pictures and try to create an estimate all at the same time. Yeah. Stop doing too many things at one time. Focus on the customer needs first. Do the needs assessment. It's, it's, that's the close, right? And so I look at close differently. The, the first step for me after setting the table is to really understand that customer. What makes them tick? What's going to what's going to motivate them to buy from us and work with us? What are their concerns? What are their expectations? You know, that's all part of that's why they call it discovery, right? That's all part of that. And by by really taking that customer centric focus, um, I haven't even started to really, as I mentioned, take notes in Paint Scout or you know, whatever type of system you're using. At that point, it's really all about the customer and their needs. That's the most important thing at that moment. So you you walk around. Now you, you've, you've set an expectation that you're going to meet back with them. So now you walk around. You've collected more information. Yeah. Are you, are you making an estimate at that point? 
or you've, you've just collected scope information and now you're meeting back with them? Yeah, so great question. Um, so the initial walk around is understanding the scope, customer-driven conversations. Then I let them know what I'd like to do while it's fresh in my CPU, um, that I'd like to go around one more time. For, for the benefit of the audience, the CPU is Jim's big noggin. <laughs> big noggin, I, I don't know how much... Uh, how much memory is left in there, but, um, you know, that, and at that point, now that I've already began to engage with the customer, those had those conversations. Now I go back through the scope one more time. Now this has went up just me, myself, and I, I'm getting my measurements. I'm getting the notes. I'm putting in some details in each room or area, whatever it may be. Once I've had a chance to do that, I reconvene with the customer and, so all, all this up front is really part of the close. The close is simply um, getting in close to the customer, right? So let, let me make this point. You have not made an estimate yet. No. So in other words, so now you're getting back with them talking decision or, or budget and decision process. Yeah. But you haven't made an estimate yet. Right. That's so key. There's, there's, no, there's been no presentation I, made yet. I know there's somebody listening that's going... Yeah. Like I would have made the I would have made the estimate and finished the appointment by now. Like yeah. you you don't have enough information to make the estimate yet, right? You, you 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 may have enough just from a purely a scope standpoint, but you don't have enough from an emotional standpoint, right? At, we don't know if they're willing to pay for it. We don't know the decision process. Yep. So you got to do those things. So that, so now pick us up. So now you've met back with the customer. So now, yeah. So now this is where qualifying comes in, right? Um, qualifying in this in this regard is understanding budget and having decision um, decision discussion. So budget, we you know, listen, I, I just had this discussion with the team I was working with earlier. You know, we, we, we get so hung up on budget um, because, you know, we grow up understanding that it's um, a taboo subject. It's something that we don't in general talk about or feel comfortable with. Um, so we find that a lot of people that aren't comfortable talking about budget um, have concerns about hearing no. Um, they they haven't gotten that that idea of of closure is the most important thing, not getting the wins. And when that's the case, then we might not our our ego might not be comfortable with hearing no. Um, if you're if you're not discussing price before sending out your proposal. You're guessing. You're guessing, of course. You're of guessing. Course. And, you know, I always address this when I set the table and let them know that I understand that cost is part of the consideration process. And I'd like to have a discussion with them once I've had a chance to understand the scope of the work to at least give you some ballpark ideas of what the cost may look like. That's all part of qualifying, right? I mean, there's nobody that does work and their customers just give them a blank check and they, the customer says, all right, I want you to do this, this, and this. Uh, just go ahead and do it and fill in the amount when you're done. So like, just some just some honest questions here, Jim. So following this process, you, you have not sent them an estimate yet. You're finding pain, decision, and budget before sending out the estimate. And you're not doing multiple things at one time. You're focusing on the customer. Then you're focusing on more scope detail. Then you get back. Have you... Has that process allowed you to weed out people who aren't going to buy? Have you saved yourself time? 
Of course. So you've, yeah. you have, you've avoided doing estimates you should not have done. A hundred percent. How mean, much time do you think that saved you? I don't know. The last six months. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting question. I, I, I'd hesitate to put a, a metric on it, but, um, over the years, it's, it's, it's saved me tons and tons of time because we, you know, we, we have to remind ourselves too, that our goal is simply closure, right? I remind myself of that over and over and over again. Um, if I, when I say closure, simply at the end of the day, whether it's today's interaction or future interactions with any client, any prospect, is to get an honest answer, okay? Sometimes it's gonna be a yes, sometimes it's gonna be a win, sometimes it's gonna be no, right? And once you've made your peace with that, you find that you have, you take the pressure off yourself to try to quote unquote sell, you take the pressure off the client because they don't feel like they're just trying to, we're just there to, to sell them something and, and it's very transactional, right? We ended up saying this during the retreat last week. I think a lot of what those guys were facing, honestly, was a crisis of trust, not a crisis of sales. Yeah. Trust the process. Okay, so here's the kicker. You, you weeded out, you didn't send estimates to people you shouldn't have sent estimates to. You prevented some people from getting getting in front of your crew leaders that were total knuckleheads. Mm -hmm. Okay. In that situation, what's your next step agreement success rate? Oh, well, okay. Well, let's let's back up. So at the end of that meeting, if your goal's closure, a couple of things could happen, right? And we, we talk about this when we set the table. Um, for any number of reasons, we we may discover, we as the contractor, as the estimator for a given company, may discover that we're not the right fit for a project. Um, the customer may discover for any number of reasons that we're, that we're not going to be a right fit for them and their project, right? Um, however, they and we may be a right fit, okay? So when we're talking about budget and having some of these qualifying dis discussions up front, we have an opportunity to close, okay? Close is closure, right? Sometimes it's going to be a no. At the end of the day, if it's a no, that's fine. Well, at that point, why would I waste time writing an estimate, putting details together, sending it out, following up, wasting time. X amount of times, Yeah, only to maybe have that customer tell me after six follow-ups, you know, it's not the right fit, we're going a different direction, or just to hide from me altogether, right? We save all that time. Like, stop wasting time on people, on prospects that are really suspects. They're, they're not really your client to begin with, okay? So at the end of an initial meeting, the beauty of really qualifying and talking about budget and decision is we can go for the close, right? If it's a no, hey, thank you so much. It's that old notion of uh, some will, some won't, so what next? We're gonna move on quickly. Um, it may be a yes right on the spot, okay? With a win on the spot. Hey, that's great too. Now we can Now we can have a discussion about what happens next. It may be, that, hey, you know what? So far, we're, we're all on the same page here. We're feeling good about the interaction. Um, there's definitely an opportunity to work together, but we're not ready to make a final decision for any number of reasons. Maybe they're still in the interview process. Maybe there's other decision makers at play. Could be any number of things. And that's when it's time 
and only at that point, it's time to set up your next step agreement with a client. And if you if you've discussed decision making process, there should you really should be able to avoid either I'll think it over, or um, uh, uh, the other one I was thinking of I'll think it over, or just finding a time that doesn't work. If you understand their decision making process, next step agreement should be very natural. Yeah, and it should be honest. So to answer your question from earlier. Um, my next step agreements with clients are honored 99.9% .9 of the time. So the variable I would throw in here. So for my process selling now, I was, did, uh, worked for Nolan painting. Now I'm Nolan consulting. The only difference for me is that I talk pain budget and decision before I hang up the phone. Cause most of the time I'm talking to people on the right. phone and we have lots of programs that might work for people. So I'm asking, I'm setting the table, letting them know what, how this process typically goes. I'm finding about all the things they're struggling with in their business and the personal impact of that. I'm asking them, have you thought about what something like this might cost? Or do you, do you have any idea what you want to spend? There's a lot of different directions we can go with this. Sure. Yeah. And sure, they look at me and say, well, that's why I'm calling you. And I say, well, that makes total sense. And so I can give maybe some scenarios or ballparks and we talk about budget, we talk about profit at that point in a commercial standpoint, you know, did you, you know, what are you looking to make? What are you looking to grow? How much of that is available to support working with a coach? Then I talk about their decision-making process. Is there anybody else that's going to be involved? Mm. That certainly a spouse in, in the small business world, a spouse is going to be involved, but it may also be, other people on their team that they want to talk to. And if it's not making sense, then it's not, it either the call has become educational. So we've stepped back. They don't know anything about consulting. So we've had to take a step back and do some education. There's a fine line between features and benefits and educating. So stepping back, of the difference really is in my world is free consulting. How many of us in, in all sales give away free consulting, mm -hmm. doing a little bit of educating, coming back in and saying, what would, you know, what do you either, you know, who would you like to talk to about this or any, any other decision-making process at that point, I know who they want to talk to. I know what goals they're trying to accomplish and yeah, it's rare, but every now and then we don't do that. That's not how we work. We're, we call ourselves coaches because we work on relationships. If somebody wants us just for a project, actually earlier this year, we said no, because they just wanted a project. They wanted us to come in, implement. There's no relationship involved. Transactional. Right. Yeah. That's not what we do. Yeah. We, that, that isn't how we work. We're not going to be able to offer. I'm going to be constantly be asking you questions that you don't want to answer. Right. So um, we're out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, but thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And I, my next step agreements get honored ninety nine point nine percent of the time, and the point one percent is somebody's dog was sick. Yep. You know, and I, and but yet you still hear back from that right point one percent. Right, and I I have not sent them anything yet. Yeah. I I haven't done other than the training I've done to do this process and the work I've done on the call, I haven't done any work yet. Yeah. And so I, you know, Jim, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you're, what you're saying, is, it really resonates with me because, you know, 
your business is obviously the consulting world is much different than than the the residential repaint world or the commercial painting world or the contracting or trades world. You know, when we're out bidding on on projects and 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 going up against other competition, but the process is the same. It doesn't matter what product you're selling, what service you're selling. What I heard you talking about is that you're spending a lot of lot of time up front in that in that that step that I like to refer to as the close step, meaning the discovery step. Like, hey, like I still need to get to know you. I still need to to understand your needs. I still need to understand where it hurts. I'm not even at this point really sure if I can help you. And I'm only going to be able to know if I can help you by 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 spending some time with you and getting to know your needs I got, a bit better. I got to tell you, that summarizes my biggest takeaways from all the training we've done the last six months is I don't have enough information to make a proper proposal, whether that's for consulting services or coaching services or, or construction work. I'm guessing and I, I'm, we're seeing because I think because the fishing has been good. We're seeing a lot of reps out there doing way too much guessing mm -hmm. because people have been saying yes before we even get to the door. Yep. And I think your point is correct that it's not always going to be this way. I think we're also risking, one, people not honoring next step agreements, which we continue to hear that despite the good fishing, people don't honor next step agreements. It's completely unacceptable for someone not to honor my next. I screwed up. If so, like I did not sure. do something yeah. right, right? And we're we're putting people potentially putting people in front of my so my team, I, you know, that we're here. We're putting people that don't aren't going to get value or even knucklehead customers from a contracting point of view that aren't going to respect our crews. Um, and it's just just a waste of time. We're I'm, we're seeing too many reps wasting time making estimates. And trying to follow up with people they shouldn't be, yeah, that, or at least that aren't properly qualified, right? Yeah, they're wasting time, and and you know, you were you were you were hitting on it right there. Is that other idea of um, sales being a two way street? And this was this is another topic that that's come up quite a bit. Um, you know, and I I am guilt. I am early in my career as a sales amateur. I was extremely guilty of this last year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, fourteen months ago. Um, <laughs> so, what, what do we mean by this? This idea, this notion of sales is a two-way street. Okay. So, as you know, moving from a sales amateur to a sales professional, right? We're we're again, we're putting a lot of emphasis on setting the table, having an adult conversation, but then spending a lot of time in the discovery step, right? understanding the customer's expectations, understanding their concerns, what's going to motivate them, getting in close to them, right? That's where our nurturing parent comes in. Now, the mistakes that a lot of us make, myself included, I initially viewed my job as a salesperson, okay? Meaning I was there to sell. And wins were, were the only positive outcome. Okay, so completely wrong mindset to begin with, right? And one of the things I've retrained myself and, and we talk about with all the people we train with, right? 
we, we put too much emphasis on, on our success being predicated upon getting wins, right? We're here to win. We're here to sell, right? That's how we get paid. I, I don't even think about the wins anymore. I think about closure. If I'm putting, if I'm taking the emphasis off getting wins, putting the emphasis on closure, simply an honest answer at the end of the day, I have found by far you have much better in-depth, closer conversations with clients because you're taking the pressure off yourself to win. And that resonates with the customer. They don't feel like you're there just to ramrod a, a product or service down their it, throat. Frankly, if you don't like it, if you don't like relation, putting the customer first and, and assessing need, I mean, honestly, if you want a transactional sale where you can, you can do your dog and pony show all day, I don't know, go work for OxyClean or <laughs> Verizon or something. Sure, yeah. If you want to be a sales amateur, go sell OxyClean. Yeah. If you want to be a sales professional, recognize that number one, it's about the customer and that I've got to assess the need and make sure that one, our services are a match for what this customer actually wants, that they're good for our company. And I've got to guard my calendar um, effectively so that I don't so that I'm not doing things that I shouldn't be doing. That's a customer focused process where I'm fully assessed the need, pain, budget, and decision before I'm sending out a proposal or making any kind of suggestion about what I think you need. I'm, I got to find those three things first. Otherwise I'm guessing. Yeah. And, and it's only by having that mindset of, of basing your success on closure, right? My, my goal, it's a theoretical number. My, my goal as a sales professional is to have 100% close rate. All that simply means is that every, every client, every prospect that I meet with, at the end of the day, I get an honest answer, be it a yes or a no, okay? So you it all starts, it truly starts with that mindset, okay? So back to the sales is a two-way street. I didn't have that mindset early on. My mindset was the wins, my win ratio, right? I can sell anyone, everyone I talk to, I need to sell. And it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And, and if, I, if I didn't get a job, that was a failure in my mind. Then you start to realize, okay, um, um, uh, you're selling customers where there's red if, flags. If that's going to be your approach, you're, you're not going to make it to sales to be a sales professional. Yeah. Yeah. You start to sell the wrong customer. Um, the ones that there's clearly red flags, but you try to rationalize it. And uh, well, if I get enough detail and, and hopefully I'm, I'm clear enough with them, everything will go fine. It, it rarely works out that way. If there's red flags up front, you know, uh, the customer says, say, oh, it's going to, you know, this will look smooth as glass, or they use the word perfect a lot, or you know, we, we could go through a whole list of red flags. We, we know the tough customers when we see them. I would rationalize that and say, you know, my job is here as a salesperson is to win these jobs. Like all my success in my mind was based upon winning. And, and therefore I was, I was selling good jobs, but also bad jobs. And, and then putting our field in a bad way, dealing with these, these tough, brutal customers. So that's what I mean when, when we say sales is a two-way street. Now, as sales professionals, we're, we're putting a lot of the, the emphasis on the customer 
and we're driving value. We're, we're getting to know them and help helping them understand and connect the dots to the value that we bring think, and how we can help them. So I think it's a great topic, maybe timing here as we head into maybe for some people, the slow season um, or as we head in into the future, nobody knows what the future will hold. Uh, but I, I think focusing on these things, uh, the people who do these things effectively are going to come out on top. Jim, any any parting words? No, I other than you know, focus focus on slowing down. Okay, things are good now, but now's the time to really focus on your craft, your craft as a sales professional. Um, know that things aren't always going to be this easy. So now, now is a great time. You know, as we always say, the best way to speed up the sales, slow it down. Slow it down. Practice these concepts. Get comfortable with it because the ones that that are true to the process are going to be the ones that not only survive but can thrive in an economic downturn. It's really important. Order takers are not going to survive in a downturn. Trust the process. Find out, put the customer first to be a sales professional. Jimmy, always a pleasure. Andrew, pleasure's always been yours as always. I look forward <laughs> to the next six months of not seeing you. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. Everybody, thank you uh, for listening. We wish you all the best. Yep. Thanks all. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.